Welcome to What the Fun Podcast with Kimmy, Kisa, and Renee. Glad you can join us as we explore all aspects of entertainment and current events with industry professionals, friends, and us. Welcome. Hey there, friends. Welcome to another edition of What the Fun Podcast. This is our 22nd episode. Oh, my goodness, 22nd. <laughs> and, um, you know, before <laughs> we go off into our little fun cubicle chat, within seconds ago, just seconds ago, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking. The only thing I was thinking about was my, my stomach. I was hungry. And um, Kisa was like, all right, ladies, are you ready to record? And we're like, yeah. And I just popped open a bag of gummy bears and like a big ass bag of gummy bears. We're talking about like, this is like a two pound bag. Those are my party favorite. size. Um, the, the Black Forest are like the best gummy bears in the world. Anyways, without even thinking that I'm going into recording here with my <laughs> lovely lady friends, I just grabbed a handful of gummy bears and started shoving my mouth. I just shoved it all in my mouth. And I was like, wait a minute. We're recording. <laughs> no, we and had we, to tell you that we are recording. And you were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> These ladies, without oh them, I'd be a mess. I'd be oh nice without them. That was but too again, funny. But then again, with you ladies, I'm still a mess. So regardless. Well, we wouldn't have it any other way. We wouldn't have it any other way. I- I'm just hungry. And so we snacks well, was a thing. It doesn't help that you have a magnet of a churro in front of you, a magnet of a Mickey's ice cream bar. And what else do you have? A magnet of a turkey leg. I know, right? Oh, yeah, that that that's pretty bad. I shouldn't have that stuff on my uh, desk when I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> We're in May officially now, ladies. And now that we're kind of celebrating still our first anniversary of doing this. Yay! Early on, you mentioned, I think it was for Simon Curtis's um, episode, which I think was episode four. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. You mentioned that you had a burned book, a burned book, (gasps) and then you were going to write all of your stuff in there and then go burn it at the beach. Mm -hmm. Did that ever happen? Um, I'm still writing stuff, but I haven't burned anything yet. (laughs) But are you writing stuff, Kimmy? Well, the last time I wrote in that book was like June of last year. Okay, well, it's almost May. Oh, it is May. So it's almost June. It's almost a year since my last entry. So I think now's the time to, especially with everything that's been happening, to start journaling in that book again. And then we burn it together. Oh, my God. Yeah, you got to write it down. You got to journal it out. It just helps, you know, get your your brain cleared. Do you You journal? Sometimes I just write, just sometimes I just write down my thoughts because it's like, there's too much going on. <laughs> like, I'm just like all over the place. So I have to like get focused. <laughs> so you do journal. Yeah, but not like regularly. I don't like, I don't like, not like the person that like wakes up every day. It's like, I need to like spend five minutes journaling. I don't do uh-huh. that. But yeah. when you feel compelled or like overwhelmed or... Then, then you do it. Yeah. 
Awesome. And what? And when was the last time you wrote in your journal? Um, probably a few weeks ago. Now, are probably. they like? What kind of things do you write in your journal? Is it um, is it like ideas, thoughts, frustrations, or all of the above? Yeah, it's pro- it's really just like a way for me to like be like, okay, what is happening? I need to process this information, so I have to write it all down. And then I'm like, okay. Now, then it's like it like exits your body and then you can like have a clear brain to continue and move forward. Oh, that's great advice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I start writing like I always have the intention of journaling. God knows I have enough notebooks for it. And uh, and then before I know it, it becomes a to-do list. Tomorrow, I need to go to get this. I also need to get this. I need to get that. That needs to happen and becomes a to-do list. So then it ends up not being a journal of like, and then I don't have patience for it because you're like, your hand and your thoughts, they work at different times. And then you're like writing and writing and writing, but you're like already in like this next paragraph, but you're still writing the first paragraph. And so then you don't have the patience for that. So you just quit and you're like, forget it. If you bet you I'm gonna buy myself a new journal every time I go to the store. <laughs> <laughs> She's just gonna keep collecting journals. <laughs> I just can't. I try. I try. I feel like it would be helpful if I knew how to write, but it ends up being a to-do list. Well, it's whatever you whatever you want it to be. I mean, we've talked to so many people like who just like write down their manifestations, like what are their intentions that they're trying to set for themselves? And I think it's whatever you want to be. If it's your to-do list that you can like know what where you need to be focusing and spending your time, then I think that that's fine. That's true. I need to pick that up again. <laughs> <laughs> so Kimmy, love it. Yo, what are you writing in your journal? Oh. <gasps> uh- <laughs> You know, I think I want to write about things I would like to better myself on. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I've been inspired through a lot of our guests, you know, Mm -hmm. and you ladies are also an inspirational with some of the stuff that you guys do to keep your zen. I think I want to write about, you know, things I have done to improve, to be better. I want to create a list of things where I can improve mm-hmm. and then just start writing about, did I tackle any of them? This is what yeah. I did today. Yeah. Well, you never know. Like if you write all of this, it might, somebody might find your journal someday, mm-hmm. you know, find your journal and then, you know, publish it as a book, maybe make a movie out of it. I have thought about creating my own autobiography, writing my own autobiography. Mm-hmm. I even have a title. <gasps> I need a. F- you want to hear what the title is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. I was thinking of naming my autobiography Kiki, Tears of a Clown, The Fallen Rise, The Fallen Again, Story of America's Forgotten Sweetheart That Never Was But Still Could. <laughs> Love it. I literally thought the full title was started with okay, I, I'm, I'm ready. ready. 
I could add that to the mix. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> it's gonna follow right after, but still could. Period. Okay, I'm ready. That seals the deal. I mean, if I saw that at the bookstore, I'd be like, "That's quite the title." I well, like and that's it. like the front of the book, right? Like that's the entire whole thing. The well, whole I mean, front. there's going to be my face in the front cover. No, but it's going to be covered like up by all your yeah, words. By all your words. So it'd probably be in the corner or like on top of an eye. <laughs> or what if I had my face kind of like dressed up in a clown makeup, but like for every color is like the words. Like the title is in with my clown makeup. Oh, dang. Okay, she's complex. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep thinking, Kimmy, when you said clown makeup of like that one time when you told us about your clown makeup when you were a kid. <laughs> How we put the clown makeup on 12 hours before trick-or-treating and how it caked on and crusted over and how like my brother and I couldn't move our mouth or our lips like we could because it was so stiff from all the caked makeup and the glitter. That's my favorite part, the glitter. And then my mom scrubbing our faces and then we were like crying because it was like tacked on so hard. God, so good. All right, friends, get ready to look out you know, your nearest bookstore or also on Amazon for my <laughs> upcoming autobiography titled <laughs> Kiki, Tears of a Clown, The Fallen Rise, The Fallen Again, Story of America's Forgotten Sweetheart That Never Was But Still Could. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> I'd buy it. I think it's exciting that we are starting our writing ventures with you, Kimmy. Um, but let's bring on our guest, who happens to be an actual writer for television and film. Um, and we're are you trying to say that I can't write? Like actual no, 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 writer? No, no, you, no, you can write if you write, <laughs> but you're not writing. <laughs> so therefore. <laughs> <laughs> If you were to set pen to paper, <laughs> right? I'm sure it would become a masterpiece. I mean, look at that title. Just hear that title. <laughs> I know publishing comp- that publisher uh, Simon and Schuster will uh, definitely be begging for my book. So, all right. So I should bring in this guest. Joining us today is a queer stage and screenwriter who is writing an animated musical feature for Mattel, was staffed on the Emmy-nominated Pen15 on Hulu, which, by the way, was named one of 30 best TV episodes of 2020 by Entertainment Weekly for his Pen15 episode, Sleepover. Also, with the season being nominated for Best Comedy Series by the Writers Guild of America and the Critics' Choice Awards. His other accomplishments include serving as executive assistant to actor-writer-producer Natasha Rothwell, also script coordinator on the critically acclaimed Schitt's Creek, and as writer's assistant on the binge-worthy Playing House on USA. On stage as a playwright, he has written plays such as Homemade Perfect and I Love You, I Love You that has garnered him awards and have received productions around the country. Wow, what an accomplishment. Without further ado, please welcome to What the Fun Podcast, Mr. Josh Levine. <laughs> Yay! Hello. Hello. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> welcome, Josh. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. 
Oh man, this this interview, everybody, has been a long time coming. We've been <laughs> yes. we've been looking to book Josh for for a couple of months now, and our schedules have just been so crazy. And so we're really excited that we finally were able to get our schedules in alignment and have yes. Josh on our show. We're so yeah. excited. Thank you. Me too. Yay. I'm very glad to be here and chatting with you all. Yes. Yay. <laughs> And we know Josh, well, this is our first time actually meeting Josh, but yes. we have known about Josh for a long time because we <laughs> all worked with Josh's husband, Ryan, at Disney. And Josh and Ryan are really good friends with one of our really close friends, Anthony Sierra. Shout out one of yes. our uh, longtime Woo-hoo. listeners here <laughs> to our show. Anthony's awesome. He is awesome. Yeah. So. Josh obviously came very highly recommended to be on our on our show. And so we're excited to talk all about writing with Josh. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your history, Josh. So how like what drew you to to us being a screenwriter? Sure. Well, I, you know, one of the things that happened, and I really do attribute this to me being a writer pursuing it all of these years um, and luckily now being able to, you know, be a professional writer for a living um, started honestly when I was in elementary school uh, in Orlando, Florida, which is, you know, partly I think why I'm a self-proclaimed Disney nerd uh, because we lived like 50 minutes away from Disney world and went a lot as a family. Um, But when I was in elementary school, there was something called the young authors conference. And uh, I don't remember the exact details, but I do know that they chose at least one person from all the elementary schools in like the county to go to this conference that was at, I think, the community college. Uh, and I went at least twice, um, was chosen from my school to go. And you saw authors speak and, you know, you got free books. I still love books. I still buy more <laughs> books than Ryan ever would like me to buy. Um <laughs> But I do attribute that, you know, that kind of encouragement at such a young age to be a writer as the living to mm-hmm. why I, you know, continued to pursue it all these years. In middle school, I bought a book, I'm pretty sure it's still on my shelf, again, love books, called like <laughs> How to Write a Children's Novel. And so I wrote my version of Where the Red Ferns Grow called Andy A Boy's Life. Um, I still have my like my copy of it that my mom marked up with a red pen. Um, <laughs> my mom, my mom is an English teacher, has was an English teacher for years and years and years and years. Um, I do attribute a lot of my storytelling, you know, love of storytelling and reading to my mom. Um, she'll love that I mentioned her. Um, I'm sure she's, <laughs> she's, as we say, smiling loudly, probably right now listening. Um, but so uh, that like writing that kind of young adult novel, if you will, in middle school then, and I'd always loved theater. So then when I got into high school, I got my first playwriting book and I started writing plays in high school and really fell in love with that um, because I still have a huge love of theater. I'm still a playwright. I'll be a playwright, you know, for my whole life. Um, But that is really kind of what's, started me going, oh, I this is something that is combining everything I love, writing and theater and storytelling. And so when I went, you know, when I started looking for uh, undergraduate uh, programs, 
there really weren't very many undergraduate playwriting programs that I knew of or that I was able to find. But the mm-hmm. theater school at DePaul University in Chicago had one. And I was able to apply and, and, you know, had the great fortune of getting in there and being able to get kind of a financial assistance package that allowed me to go. And so I left and lived in Chicago for four years and saw amazing theater, which I wasn't aware that Chicago was, you know, at the time was such like a booming theatrical town, um, mm-hmm. especially also with new work. There's so much new work going on in Chicago. Um, as of course, as I grew up, found out is happening everywhere in every city. Um, but I really fell in love with Chicago. Um, and, and a piece of my heart still, you know, loves the city itself. Um, and so I did my undergraduate there at the theater school at DePaul University and wrote a bunch of plays. Um, and then as you do when you're young and you want to be in theater and all that kind of stuff, uh, I moved to New York. And, and so while I was in New York, um, I did end up going to um, a conference uh, or it was really a, an intensive. It was the Kennedy Center Playwriting Intensive. Um, and that kind of turned everything in a new direction uh, for me. It was two weeks at the Kennedy Center. Uh, people kind of of all ages, truly, of all backgrounds, but who loved playwriting and who had, you know, skill um, and craft. But we took a ton of workshops with amazing playwrights and teachers that came in um, and writing exercises. So not only did I work with some amazing mentors, but I also made like some of my longest friends, you know, that I've been my closest friends that I've had. The whole reason that I am a writer, but also fell in love with playwriting, but still have fallen in love with writing for TV and everything is I love to collaborate. Like it's, I say it's the reason why I do any of this writing. It's, it's so not, I don't write to be alone. (laughs) I write to, (laughs) even though you are alone when you write, my goal is because you eventually get into rehearsal or you're bringing back a draft into the writer's room and you're getting feedback from other people. Um, And that inevitably makes the thing better. It just does. I've never thought a play was done. It's like, no, a play is never done until I've gone through a workshop or a rehearsal process. And even then it's not done. And even then you still are probably changing things. Yes, all the time. Something that you mentioned in regards to um, the collaboration part, because sometimes you you get an idea and you think all writers, they're solo, they live in their own little world. And it's interesting to hear that the part that you like the most is yeah. actually the collaboration of it. Yes. Have you, <laughs> I'm going to ask if this has any, okay, so I'm really excited about this. So you, <laughs> <laughs> you were a script coordinator on Shit's Creek. Yes. One of my favorite shows. Take us into that part of the world. Like how, yeah. why is collaboration so important to you? And yeah. how does that work, especially in a job like the script coordinator? Yeah. What, what is that, you know, yeah. to begin no, with? Of course, yeah. So, so the writer's assistant and the script coordinator are there in the room to kind of be uh, record keepers of everything mm-hmm. that happens, of everything that is said. So when I was writer assistant on Plain House and I was script coordinator on Schitt's Creek, 
what I was doing was typing the notes of, of the day, um, taking down those uh, story ideas, taking down those lines of dialogue that kind of pop mm-hmm. out of people's mouths, um, and, and just being a record so that the next day, no good idea is lost. Um, yeah. And what was really very special for me about Plainhouse and Schitt's Creek was they were both very open rooms, meaning like the very first day on Playing House, Jessica St. Clair and Lennon Parham said to me and the script coordinator, we want you to pitch in this room. This is a safe room. So pitching means when you have an idea, you mm-hmm. bring it up to the room. You know, you, you, you have a funny joke, you have a possible storyline. That's when you pitch or a new way a story could go. But an important thing that is very key is that to me, but I think to the industry is you want to always be additive, you know, Mm -hmm. like you, you really don't want to be someone that says, no, that's not going to work. You need Mm -hmm. to say, what if, and you're adding on to the conversation. And again, even if your idea is not the thing that people go with it, it's spurring other ideas to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And pitching when you're starting out can be a really nerve wracking thing, because again, you're, you want to contribute something good to the conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to be, again, you want to be additive and saying something that hopefully people respond to or laugh at, right? These are comedy rooms. There's our story where you want to entertain. That's the whole point of watching these shows and creating these shows is to have fun and be entertaining, right? So you can have some nerves to be like, oh my goodness, I'm so new to this process and here's all these wonderful established writers i want to make sure that i say something and it and it is meaningful and hopefully moves the conversation forward um so it was very nice that in both rooms i had the opportunity to do that and know that it was so that i wasn't just the person behind the keys you know but that if i Mm -hmm. had an idea or if there was a lull in the conversation and i had a thought maybe i would say hey um i thought of something maybe if this helps us move forward, um, mm-hmm. usually would say, is there a world where that's like a way to start your pitch? Like, <laughs> is there maybe a world where Alexis and Moira, blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, but you know, maybe not every room is like that. I was very lucky to be in rooms that were like that, where I had the chance to kind of get my feet wet on, on again, how to read a room, how to find your way into a conversation. Um, mm-hmm. And again, be additive to that conversation. What was one of those, like your first pitch that you felt either was oh a disaster or was a hit? <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Oh, I wish I honestly remembered. I remember going home and thinking up ideas for playing house. I feel like I have, you know, the memory of like a hummingbird or something, but <laughs> So, do you remember the feeling where you like nervous? Oh or, yes, I was or, so or did nervous. You, like, when it, when you said it, it was like a release. Did you have? Yes, no, yeah, I like- was definitely <laughs> no. It was definitely like, oh yeah, I well because I know you know it's at least of somewhat interest. I am a cancer with a cancer moon, 
and Libra oh. rising. Oh yeah. So I am I am like <laughs> I have a whole lot of emotions. emotions and it all sits in my tummy. Um, oh. and so so all of my nerves, all of my thing, all of that, it sits in there. So I was absolutely like, you know, uh, feeling it in my stomach when I was getting ready to like pitch my idea. And then I remember it kind of went nowhere, but it like made, I think people chuckle and I was like, okay, well that wasn't terrible, but it wasn't an idea that ended up in going anywhere in the season. It may have been something about Bruce's mom doing a cooking show. I don't know, (laughs) but it went nowhere and that was okay. You know, it was still like I was able to pitch and kind of throw an idea out there. Um, but in general, you just kind of throw things out and then you just, it just becomes part of the collective brain that, you know, that kind of puts the show together. Um, yeah. Which again is, I think, you know, what's so magical and lovely about working in TV is that it's just a whole lot of people, a whole lot of creative people sitting down together to make one thing. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, again, in the experiences I've had, it's like egos aside, it's like you just, you're just creating the best thing possible for the series and trying to find the best story possible for the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The funniest stories, the most moving stories, you know, the most heartfelt moments. Um, and, and all the shows that I've worked on have, have been about that, have been, have been about finding those funny, heartfelt uh, moments uh, in these stories that, you know, that we can kind of, you know, fall into as viewers and love these characters. You know, I, I don't want to brag, but I do want to brag on behalf of Josh (laughs) because, you know, Josh is a playwright, you know, he's received, so he received the Kennedy Center Mark Twain prize for comic playwriting for your play homemade, which is a finalist, um, at the 2019 Austin film festival. Yeah. And then your play Perfect was a Heidman Award finalist and was featured in a 2019 short and sweet festi- Hollywood festival. Um, your plays have been received around the around the world, around the country, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, everywhere, up and down, all around. <laughs> and your play I Love You, I Love You, which was published by Smith and Krause in the best 10 minute plays 2014. Of those three, which one was your baby? I mean, in some ways, I have to say that homemade was, especially because it's about a gay couple who want to have a baby. Um, um, so I, oh. you know, so that was that was obviously coming from a very personal place. Whereas the other two pieces, I truly love. Um, they were written uh, um, in grad school. The playwrights every month did something. We did something called Midnight Special. Um, and we would write these 10 minute plays. We usually wrote them very fast. We would cast them very quickly and they would just be read in one of the like, you know, side rooms at 1115 on Friday night. Um, and it was such a blast to kind of do this kind of quick writing um, and also kind of break through some structure stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of play around because right. it was such a, like little wild evening of plays. <laughs> so two of those, those two plays, perfect. And I love you. I love you. Um, happened to be the two that I love the most. So it was lovely that those got to, 
you know, kind of have a life outside of grad school. Um, but yeah, homemade, I would say is really, you know, is really has a special place in, in my heart. And one of the things that, um, that the great, amazing teacher and writer herself, Marsha Norman, uh, has said before is to write about things that scare you or write about something that, you know, that, that you have a fear of or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not necessarily, uh, I mean, I'm sure it can go this way, but it's not like, you know, write a horror movie or write a horror play or something <laughs> like that. Um, but you know, what is something, what is the idea of something that, that scares you and write towards that? Um, mm-hmm. and, for me, it's something that I always do since I heard her say that. Um, and I think what that means for me is it means that I instinctively will be putting myself and my heart, um, and my fears, do you mean into whatever I'm working on, which means that there will be kind of an emotional center or an emotional core to, um, to whatever I'm writing. And so with homemade specifically, um, you know, me and Ryan, um, have been together almost 18 years now. Um, and, uh, and we've always wanted kids. It was something that we always knew we wanted. So this is of course, back when we were in New York, when I was writing this play, um, but I, the idea for that became, you know, what if this thing having a kid that we both want so badly somehow ends up being the thing that splits us apart. Mm. And I was like, that's kind of an just interesting place to write from, you know, Mm -hmm. like, again, it was just an idea, but it was an idea that I understood, like, because I, you know, need, you know, Ryan, for the rest of my life, you know? So it was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, but what if this thing that we both also really want so badly to have a family, to be parents somehow just Mm. because of the process or the, whatever the pressure, anything ends up splitting us apart as a couple. And I thought, well, that's a, that's the, that could possibly be the core of a play. And so I started writing from there how does it feel to see your plays up on stage, like to see it finally in its full production? Tell us about that moment. <laughs> oh, it's the best. It is fucking nerve wracking. <laughs> I do not breathe until people laugh. Like mm-hmm. I will, because I, I, I know that this scene is supposed to be funny. Like, that's how I wrote it. So that I hope the yeah. that's the intention. <laughs> so I will not breathe until I hear people laugh. And it's like, mm-hmm. once people start to laugh, then even if it's just a few people, it gives everybody permission to laugh. Yes. You know, like mm-hmm. right, the right. audience just feels like, okay, this is what we're in. We're allowed to laugh at whatever this is. And then people start to laugh and then I can begin to relax. Um, And I mean, like listening for the silences when you know everyone's really paying attention. Mm -hmm. 
When you hear the and, sniffles. When oh, when hearing. you hear those sniffles at the end is all, is all right by me. Um, yeah. Check. You're kind of sitting there going, okay, good. Oh, okay, good. Okay, good. They like that too. Okay, good. They like that too. Okay, that's working. Um, and uh, it's, it is, it's, it's, uh, you know, I think, you know, for my whole life, who knows if I'll ever get there, but for my whole life, I'll have the dream of standing in the back of a Broadway house and listening, you know, to an audience react to one of my plays. Because um, it's just, that's, it's incredible. So with that experience, knowing how important the audience relationship is and how the whole entire living part, because that's who we are, we're humans. We like to mm-hmm. live with others. We commune. Um during 2020, how did that shift? Did it affect you? How was how was that writing room? How was your experience? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I was unbelievably fortunate um, to have happened was right before the pandemic hit, I pitched on a uh, on a story that Mattel. Uh, was having writers, you know, kind of give their interpretation of a story that they had to turn into an animated feature. And of course, you know, the Disney to me was like, I must, I must, you know, (laughs) I must pitch on this. Like, this is a dream opportunity. Um, How could I not say I'd like to throw my hat in the ring? Um, Yeah. And so luckily, right before the, you know, the pandemic hit uh, was my final time going into Mattel and and telling them what you know my version of the story would be and luckily they chose me and they hired me and so you know this whole time um up until a couple months ago when I turned in my you know uh rewrite draft um I've been working on creating an original you know animated feature um uh which again has been a dream and you know, was a real, you know, blessing for us during this time. Uh, But the hardest thing, there were many challenges about it, but I'm always up for a challenge. So that's all good by (laughs) me. Um, But the most challenging thing was writing by myself, you know, like as a playwright, again, of course I write my plays by myself, but you have that outlet of rehearsal. You know, you have Mm -hmm. that ultimate thing where you're going to rehearsal, you're going to be with a director, you're going to be with actors, you're going to be getting that feedback to hear it and to go, Mm-mm, that line's not right, or this section is not working, or this is not building in the right way. And a director and an actor bringing their interpretations, which gives yeah. you stuff. I didn't have that, you know, and again, a TV writer's room, I was used to the TV writer's room where everything is so collaborative, and you're talking, and you're beating out the story. And, you know, um, you're, you're finding it together. Um, but I, you know, you don't have that as a feature writer. That's Mm -hmm. not, that's not the job, you know? Um, and, and so, you know, the producers were really great and, and, you know, there were many steps along the way where we chatted and where we, where I got feedback on what was happening. And that was, I was, I wrote to those moments because mm-hmm. I knew that once I spoke with them and they gave me their insight and their feedback, I was then able to go off of that feedback and say, okay, what do I need to change? What do I need to work on to 
deliver them the story that we all want, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but, you know, writing alone for so many m- months was a challenge and not having that, not having that constant feedback that I'd gotten so used to in the mm-hmm. TV writer's room that you get. Um, but again, it was, you know, it, 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 I'm beyond grateful for the opportunity um, and excited that, you know, as we say, you know, from my mouth to God's ears, this thing will, you know, get made and see the light of day. And animation mm-hmm. takes years, as we years. all know. Yes. Years. Mm-hmm. So we're just at the beginning of the journey. Um, but the fact that everyone is very happy with where the script is uh, makes me, of course, the, like I said, the perpetual student. Uh, thrilled that mm-hmm. people are happy with the work that I was able to do. Um, but I have not had the experience of like being kind of in a virtual writer's room, which have been happening and I'm sure will continue to happen for a little while. Um, but, you know, but what I found even still is while working on my own projects um, outside of the Mattel project, I, I, you know, I'm working all the time with, uh, with my friend, the amazing Vera Santa Maria and my amazing friend and collaborator on a new project, a new animated feature, Andrew Barbeau. Um, and so what I have found is I do need to work with people. Uh Um, Mm -hmm. and so that has just been something that I've kind of added into my process is that I don't have to do it alone. You know, like Uh I can, I can bring, I can bring along my amazing friends, you know, Mm -hmm. and they can bring me along on their processes. And we just kind of help each other and have that kind of constant back and forth happening on each other's projects. And it really makes, it really helps move the needle forward on everything. Outside of writing, like what inspires you? What, what are your hobbies? What do you do outside? I know that you have a beautiful family, two baby girls. I mean, they're pretty young. They're still in the top. They're still littles. Yeah. Um, and a wonderful husband that we love and care yes, for very much. Yes, we <laughs> And let me add, the only reason why I was able to work as I did and complete my work on the Mattel project is because of Ryan. There oh. is, he truly, and I've said this to many people, he truly deserves all the credit for the work that I was able to do because he has been furloughed this whole time and mm. he has been taking care of our girls. And me, like <laughs> feeding us every meal, you know, like he would bring me lunch here in the office. And he's just, he, I mean, I always, I mean, again, we've always wanted to be parents. We've always wanted to be fathers. We both always loved kids. And I always knew he was going to be an amazing father. So that ain't a surprise. But the work that he's done to, to, entertain and teach and let our girls grow while I've had to be in this office, you know, doing that work. Uh Um, you know, he really does. He deserves, um, all the credit, um, for, for me being able to do that work. Yay, Ryan. Ryan. (laughs) True partners. It's true. It's true. We I feel very, very lucky because it really feels like we are. Yeah. Sorry, I feel like you asked me a question that I (laughs) was maybe going to answer and then didn't. (laughs) 
like, what, what else do you do outside? Oh, yes. 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 Like, but other things. But your yes. family takes a lot of it. So that's good. <laughs> it's really, it could sound super cheesy, but it's true. It's like everything I, isn't that a song? Everything I do, I do for you. Is that like, it's either a Celine Dion song, maybe. Yes. Oh, what is it? It's, uh, it's um, I'm everything I am. Because you love me. That one. Yes. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. Um, but so it really, like, it's true, though. I I do this thinking about my family. You know, like, I knew I wanted to, again, work on this Mattel project because I wanted my girls to be proud of their papa, you know, and, and, and to be happy about the things that I'm working on, you know, so they are really what inspire me, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and why I do any work. It's a weird, it's a weird thing because the work I do, of course, takes me away from being with them, but it's also why I do it. And it's like it, and, and the work I do has to be worthwhile, if it's going to take me away from being with them, you know, mm-hmm. that's also something that, that became very clear to me when Helena was born, um, was that whatever I was doing, if I'm not going to be with her, then it's got to be worthwhile. You know, it's mm-hmm. got to be something that of course provides for us, but that I can be proud of that. Ryan can be proud of that. Our girls can be proud of. Um, and so if I'm not working, I want to be with them. You know, like, mm-hmm. that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing to do is lay on the couch and have the girls lay on me while we watch Aww. movies. Aww, that's, <laughs> that's, it. that's it. Like, that's it. And, and Helena knows that. We'll, we'll sit down because, you know, there, we kind of, of course, Ryan is a saint, but everyone needs a break. And so for like an hour every day in the middle of the day, I go out and I'm with Helena or both girls. Um, but Helena always knows that Papa comes out and we sit on the couch and she lays on me and we watch TV. And probably because I've said it now, she, when I sit down with her, she goes, this is your favorite part of the day. And I say, Aww. it is my favorite part Aww. of the day. <laughs> Cuddling so with sweet. you. <laughs> Josh, we have loved having you. But I have oh. one final question. Yes. Do you have any bits of words of wisdom to share with any young writers or listeners or anything yes. you would have told yourself yes. when you were younger? Absolutely. Something I think I would have told myself when I was younger would be to write whatever you want to write about and don't worry what other people might think of it. Mm. Um, I think that has gotten in my way many, many times over the years. Um, thinking what I should be writing as opposed to just what I really want to write and really want to say, because you are, you're right. When you're writing, you're putting yourself out there, you know, and that can kind of be obviously a very scary feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely a feeling that I've now gotten much more comfortable with than I ever was. Um, But I think in the beginning I was, I was scared to write about certain things. And I think again, those things, those fears, like Marsha Norman talks about, that's really when you get to kind of the good stuff. You know, mm-hmm. when you're when you're exploring a question you have about life, 
or relationships or yourself, mm-hmm. writing it out, you know, really you're exposing something. But what I have found is that you're actually exposing something that many other people will be able to relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of that, that reflection that I think we look for in our books, in our movies, in our TV shows, in our plays, and any kind of art is being able to see ourselves in it and go, oh, I'm, here it comes again, not alone. You know, uh-huh. like, <laughs> like, I am not alone in this world. Right. There are other people out there like me. Um, so I really do think that would have been my advice when I was younger, mm-hmm. is stop thinking about what people care about or think you should be writing. Write about what scares you. You know, mm-hmm. write about things you have questions about about the world. Because you'll really get to some good stuff. Um, And the other thing I would say is just to, and this has also been something that's taken me a while to get to. So it might, you know, I think people come to it probably at different times when they're writers is it is, it is a profession. It is Mm -hmm. work. And so like anything to get better at it, you have to do the work. Mm-hmm. And that means writing a lot mm-hmm. and maybe even writing when you don't want to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there were probably plenty of times that I didn't write just because I didn't want to write, but you still have to do the work. That is how you get better at your craft mm-hmm. is yeah. by doing the work, you know, even just a little bit, even just writing in a journal doing something every day for the writing will just improve the writing and help you grow and help you learn from what works and what doesn't. Oh, you have just inspired me to complete my self-autobiography. There you go. (laughs) There you go. And as a writer, what do you think of this title? Kiki, Tears (laughs) of a Clown, The Fallen Rise to Fallen Again, story of America's (laughs) forgotten sweetheart that never was, but still could. It's good. It's a little long. It's a little long. But it's good. It's good. She just keeps adding more words to it. Yeah. 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 Remember remember what I said about writing is rewriting? So you may... So then what you're trying to tell me is... Keep going. Yeah, keep going. Add some more words. And then you'll be good to go. The title in itself right there, that's the book. Just the title of the whole thing. Yeah. That's your whole book. The the title of your book will be your book. Exactly. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. You it's truly are such an amazing human. Oh my god! <laughs> it's been my pleasure to chat with you all. Thank you for having me. Oh, of thank course. you, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> if you'd like to learn more about Josh, visit his website at www.joshlevineonline.com. That's www.joshlevineonline.com. Yes, and please be sure to subscribe to all of our podcast platforms so you can stay up to date on all of our latest shenanigans. And hey, while you're at it, go ahead and write us a quick little review letting us know what you think about the podcast. We love hearing from you. We post new episodes of What the Fun Podcast every other Friday. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone.